you got a Bible nearby, let's go to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to really kind of continue tonight sort of a series, I guess, of sorts that we began like two weeks ago, kind of unofficially. That's usually how things work around here. And uh, between now and Advent, uh, we're going to kind of center around... um, the same kind of group of ideas, I guess. And so going back to uh, Romans 12, where Paul says in verse 2, not to conform to the patterns of the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's kind of where we're going to hang out a little bit. Um, and that's, we looked at that passage two weeks ago in a little more depth. Uh, last week we had family dedication, and so we, we looked at patterns of the world in regard to family and uh, tonight, for the next week or two, um, we're going to look at patterns of the world in regard to who, who God is, what He's like, how He works, how we relate to Him, how we view Him. And, and then we're going to move to patterns in regard to uh, the way that patterns of the world, the things they tell us about ourselves, and then patterns of the world in regard to uh, what our uh, interpersonal relationships are supposed to look like. And then we'll be into, into Advent. And so uh, two or three weeks on each kind of one of those kind of things is kind of where I think this, this sucker's going to go. And so we'll just kind of see if that's uh, actually true. But tonight, the, the pattern of the world we're going to look at in regard to who God is, um, is one that I'm just going to need to explain just a little bit. And then I'll need to uh, kind of use a song title to convey it. And I'm going to use the song title a lot. So uh, the, when, when I say patterns of the world, the way that we're going to approach this is, is looking at, at how, like outside of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this earth, uh, ways of thinking that, that kind of just create this framework. You know? And so the word pattern, I think, makes a lot of sense because we understand what patterns are. We've all used patterns to learn how to write. Uh, people learn, use patterns to, to make all sorts of things. And so you're, you stitch these patterns together and it kind of gives us like this interpretive window that we look at, that we look through in order to kind of see what God is about and stuff like that. And so when I say patterns of the world in regard to who God is, it's, uh, what I'm doing is, is I'm kind of looking at, at how, how society and culture uh, portrays God and, and how outside of the Outside of the church, outside of the kingdom of God, what do people think about? What do, what do people think about God? How do they talk about Him? How do they relate to Him? Um, because those are the things that Paul says we're not to conform to. The thing is, like we we watch TV, we watch movies, we read magazines, so we see we see all these things all the time, all these patterns. And so Paul says, when when there are certain patterns that are put together in the world, you're not to conform to those things. We need to be able to to identify those and see exactly what they are. Um, and so uh, the, the pattern of the world for tonight that we're going to look at in regard to God is, is really this idea that, that God is there to handle like, the really big stuff. You know? like, that's when you turn to God. When, when there's something that's beyond your control, some big, huge situation has happened, and you have nowhere else to turn, 
Um, and you just say, Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> now, I'm going to use that phrase, Jesus, take the wheel, a lot tonight. And I want, I want to be very clear on a couple of things. Uh, I'm not trying to make fun of Carrie Underwood. Um, I'm not trying to make fun of country music. I'm not trying to make fun of people who love that song. I'm not trying to make fun of people who that song was a pivotal moment in turning your life around. My intent is not to make fun of the song, okay? But I think that the song title, Jesus Take the Wheel, is, the pattern, is a reflection of, of that pattern of the world and how they look at God. I think Jesus Take the Wheel, the song really came from a general attitude and, and out there, that is out there, a, a mindset in general about what God is there to do. And when you say, Jesus, take the wheel, what you're implying is, uh, I can't do this, just take over for me. Now, there's, there's goodness in that, right? And there's goodness in, in going to God in those really big situations. That when there's, there's tragedy, when there's death, when there's just some, something that's just so big, to be able to turn to God, that's, uh, there's, there's goodness in that. And that's the thing about patterns of the world, a lot of them... Uh, they, they are some, there's goodness in there. But the bad thing about, about a Jesus-take-the-wheel kind of pattern of life and, and looking at God um, is, that, is that when you see Him as a safety net, He's someone that you only involve when there's like an emergency. When there's something that's just bigger, a little bigger than you, or whatever. And that's, that's where the breakdown happens. So I'm not saying that Jesus isn't there to, to be there for us and to comfort us and to turn to when life just hits. But the bad thing is, culturally, a lot of people don't want anything to do with God other than in those times. You know? And so we see it in, in TV and movies a lot you know, where the, something has happened and people are at the hospital and there's someone who's in the chapel at the hospital and they're praying and they're, they're saying something along, you know, along those lines of like, I know, I know I haven't prayed to you since I was a kid, but I really need you right now. You get some, in some sort of bargaining situation. If you'll, if you'll intervene in what's happening in the operating room, you know, I'll turn my life around, some of those kinds of things. And so that's the pattern of the world that we see, is that that's what God's there to do. He's there to help you when you're in trouble. And He is there to help you when you're in trouble, but He's not only there to help you when you're in trouble. And so, he's not a safety net. But that's the pattern of the world that's out there. And so when something bad happens, you hear the people on the news that say, our thoughts and prayers go out to, you know, whatever. And, and that's a good thing. But it's not a good thing that that's the only time thoughts and prayers go up to God about certain situations. So, as we go through these patterns of the world, I think there's going to be some natural pushback from some of us in the room who are like, yeah, but... But, I mean, I'm not a Christian. Like, I don't, I don't think that God's just a safety net. You know? Like, I don't live a, like, Jesus take the wheel kind of life. You know? Like, I get it. And so, and, and me, me too. I mean, there, there's pushback for me as well, especially in preparing a message. You know, like, I'm not going to speak to a room full of people who don't want anything to do with Jesus. I'm not trying to convince everybody that's here. Like, no, Jesus is like, he's more than that. Like, a lot of you are saying, we know that already. So I was praying, I was like, okay, Lord, if, if this is the direction that we go, if this is the, like, Jesus take the wheel sermon, which it is in my mind, it's probably going to be called out in the podcast, and 
Maybe it'll blow up. Who knows? But um, if, if we're going to go in that direction, you know, I said, what are, what are some ways that, that we, we as Christians sometimes conform to that pattern without realizing it? And almost instantly, uh, there's just th- this one example. And I even ask for more because, you know, like preachers always want like three of things. And I'm no exception. I like the number three. And I was like, yeah, okay, that's one. Give me some more. And it's almost like God was like, no, I'm not going to give you any more. This is, this is the one example. This is, this, is, this is the evidence that Christians tend to conform to this pattern of the world, that we're a little more Jesus take the wheel than we like to think we are. Um, and that would be prayerlessness. Just prayerlessness in general. That we can say that we know that, that God is not there only in the difficult times. He's not just a safety net. We can say all that stuff. Uh, but if we look at the consistency of our prayer lives, I think maybe we'll realize that maybe we're conforming to this pattern a little more than we realize. Now, certainly when, when life hits and something gets really big, we, we pray differently than when we're not in a crisis. I get that. But we shouldn't go zero to 60 in that time. You know, uh, Our prayers, should, they should change. Maybe, maybe the... Maybe the uh, emotions change and that kind of stuff, but we shouldn't go from never praying to suddenly praying. And the reason why I know we conform to this sometimes is because I'm sure we've all, uh, we've all had that, that prayer time that sounds kind of like, I didn't grow up Catholic, I know a lot of you did, uh, and I don't know if, if the confession booth really works this way or not. Maybe you can, can tell me afterwards, not during. Uh, but... Um, Every time I've seen it on the, on the movies and stuff and in TV or whatever, uh, they walk into the confession booth and they and slide the thing back and they say something along the lines of, forgive me, Father, I've sinned. It has been this long since my last confession. Right? I think we've all had that moment where something, something big happens, you come before the Lord, and you almost feel like you don't have a right to pray for Him. You know? It's like that friend who has like this like really specific skill, and the only time you ever talk to that friend is when you need that skill, you know. Uh, that when you're like, so I think we've all kind of had that moment of like, okay, God, I know, I know, I haven't prayed very much lately. I know I haven't been behaving myself lately. I know I haven't read the Bible lately. I know, I know this. I know this. I know this. But I think because we all have probably been there at different points. That's proof that sometimes we conform to this pattern a little more than we like to admit. So, don't conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewal of the mind. So for us, the, um, the way to not conform is, is to like, learn how to think differently. To be, for the renewal of the mind to transform our lives. So if, if you and I are, are kind of wrestling that, and if prayerlessness is, is, is the evidence of the fact that, yeah, sometimes we're a little more, a little more Jesus take the wheel than we like to admit, then, then the way to, to bring us back around to where we need to be is for Jesus to teach us how to think differently and to figure out what, what in our minds is going wrong that's making that pattern so appealing. What is it that makes Jesus take the wheel, Jesus is my safety net, Jesus is who I run to just when I'm in trouble? What makes that appealing and what leads to prayerlessness in our own lives? Um, and so, so there's just going to be two points tonight. One, one's really long, and one's really short. So, probably better than the other way around. Okay, so look at Matthew 6, because Jesus is the one who reveals to us uh, what, the, what a renewed mind looks like. Okay, so um, we're going to look at, at the Lord's Prayer for a second. 
So my first point is this, okay? Uh, if we want a renewed mind, we have to understand that, that the Jesus-take-the-wheel mentality about God, that He bails you out, like that's, He's there to, for when you're in trouble, okay? That is, that's when you have a really small understanding of who God is. Like, you have a tiny God. That's where it's going wrong in, in your mind and in my mind when there's prayerlessness. And when, when we only turn to Him when we're in trouble, it's because we have a small God. Now, you'd, you'd think that it's the opposite, right? Because if you were to ask somebody... Uh, just anybody on the street or whatever, when, do you only, only pray when you're in trouble? And they're like, yeah, I only kind of think about God when I'm in trouble. And you would say, why? They would probably say something like, well, I mean, he's, you know, he's probably a busy guy. You know? Got a lot going on, got a busy schedule, got a lot of things to tend to. So I figure he's just pretty much like only dialed in to like emergencies and like the big stuff. He probably doesn't really care uh, that I've just kind of been kind of down lately, you know, or whatever your example might be. And I think that what we do is we liken God to like a CEO of a company, you know. He's too busy handling like the upper level stuff to worry about, you know, that two people in accounting aren't getting along, you know, or that there's a problem in distribution and somebody hasn't paid their bills, we're going to figure out how to collect that money. He's, he's too busy to, to bother with those like low level things. He's, he's upper level, upper management, he's taking care of the big stuff. And so why would we bother him? Why would we set up an appointment with him? Why would we trouble him with these things that we should probably be able to take care of on our own? Not a real big deal. So when we need him to take the wheel, when it's something really big, we'll, like, we'll let him know, all that kind of stuff. When, when we reduce the holy God down to that, we're basically just making him a genie. You know, Just a genie, and he lives in a lamp. Somewhere, and when we need something, uh, he's there to grant us wishes of some sort or whatever. We reduce the Holy One to something that trivial. And that's a dangerous place to be, but that's, that's what it is. That's what it is in the pattern of the world, and in the, in the church, sometimes we do the same exact thing. We like to act like we don't, but it's kind of what we do. Um, and the interesting thing, I believe, is that. Uh, He's not a CEO. He's, he's big enough to handle the small stuff. That's a weird way of thinking about it. And that's what I, what I mean, that we reduce him too small. He's so big that he's able to handle the big things and the small things. Look at, look at how Jesus tells us to pray. All right? And I'm sure this is a familiar text to, to those who have been around the church and that kind of stuff. Look at what he says uh, in verse 9 of chapter 6. He says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, holy, separate, massive, just distinct, other is your name, just, I mean, your name. And who you are. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the, the, the Holy One, the separate one, the giant big God, whose will is it just, it's the exact way He wants it in the heavens. Jesus is saying, pray that that would be the same here on earth. This is a, that's a big 
prayer. That's a big way to start your prayer. And so Jesus is teaching all these folks who are sitting there in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, when you pray, pray like this. Start off talking about how giant God is. How massive He is. And so it starts off, God is really, really big. And then look what He says in verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. See how, how personal those things are? Daily bread, you know? That we would be sustained, that we would have our needs met. Forgive us our debts, we forgive our debtors. He's talking about, that's, that's, that's relationships right there. Forgive us when we have hurt people as we forgive those who have hurt us. Keep us away from temptation, from the evil one. So, so press that prayer together. You're saying, the holy God who created and sustains the universe and is keeping everything in order exactly how He wants, will you make sure that I can eat today? Will you help me interpersonally as I'm trying to deal with some like, issues I ha- with some other people? Will you help me to avoid tempting situations and, and, and the enemy that complicates? And, and this is what's so mind-blowing about it, is that Jesus Himself is revealing, this, this is how we in the Godhead, this is how we want you to pray. He's inviting, saying, come into this kind of prayer. Um, acknowledge how big I am, and then ask me for the small stuff. It's amazing when you think about it. Look at, if you look down in the chapter a little bit, look at, verse, uh, look at verse 25. Here's another probably familiar passage. It says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at his examples. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Here's this hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and he's feeding birds and making sure that they have enough to eat. Verse 27, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which, is, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I get, let's grasp the whole picture, okay? He's saying, Big God, asking for daily needs your physical needs, your relational needs, uh, in regard to sin and those kind of stuff. And he's tending to the birds. He's making sure that the grass does what grass is supposed to do. All right? look, at, look at that whole picture. What Jesus is, is communicating to us, in part, is that God is fully capable of handling all of those responsibilities 
in His fullness all the time. All the time. In those examples, He's not working overtime to keep the universe going, and He's giving you maybe like 55%, and then He's like doing like 12% to keep the grass growing. He's fully invested in all of His creation, and you know why? Because He's just that big. Like He can be fully invested in all. He doesn't have to split up His loyalties and schedule out His time like you and I do. He's big enough to take care of all that stuff. And so the reality is, for, for you and for me, we're sitting in this room, and right now, He is, is perfectly capable of tending to every single mind and heart that's in this room. And he's also taking care of Nabeen and Matilda and those kids at Hope of Life. And he's taking care of Pastor Joel and all our friends and Santa and all them in, in Monclova at the same time. And he's making sure that the gospel gets to places around the earth that it hasn't gotten to yet. He's making sure that the Bible gets translated into brand new languages. He's taking care of those Christians who are imprisoned. He's taking care of the mega churches. He's taking care of the medium churches. He's taking care of the churches that have to meet in secret in parts of the world where they will be killed for their faith. He's taking care of people facing divorce and facing addiction and facing all kinds of, of issues. He's taking care of people that had the best day of their lives. He's taking care of people that had the worst day of their lives. He's making sure that the grass is growing. He's keeping all the ocean water where it needs to be. He's letting things happen the way it all needs to happen. He's keeping all that in control. And every single bit of it, he is 100% fully invested in. He handles every one of those things with the same amount of power and authority, the same amount of love and grace, the same amount of care and compassion. He's 100% there all of the time, because he is not like you and I. He doesn't have to split himself up. He's all the way there. So why in the world would you and I only turn to him whenever we're in trouble? Why? That's why Jesus take the wheel makes no sense at all. That's why when you are Jesus take the wheel kind of pattern, that's how you pattern your life, it's because you have a very, very small understanding of who God is. And Jesus comes and reveals the bigness of God, but also the smallness of God in regard to the most small detail of your life he really, really, really cares about. That he's big enough to make himself small for you and for me. I think that's awesome. So before this, if you look up at verse 6, when talking about prayer, Jesus says, um, but when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. That's his description of prayer. Go into a room, close the door, talk to your Father. So why in the world would prayerlessness be in our lives at all? Why would that even be close to something that we would struggle with? Why wouldn't we say, you're the omnipotent one, you, you are all-knowing. You are all-powerful. You're everywhere. The next moment, we don't experience mo- time moment to moment. You know what's going to happen. You know, you know everything. And you're holy, so there's no sin in you. And there's, you're, you can only do good things. And so why in the world would I only turn to you when I'm in trouble? Why wouldn't every single part of my life be something that I want you in, involved in? Why wouldn't you want to accept the invitation of the holy God to be like, hey, I really care about everything in your entire life? Why is that? 
And I think the reason why prayerlessness exists in the church is because we are very self-reliant. And we are self-reliant because at the end of the day, there's a part of us that really wants to be God. Not God of the universe, just like God of our own lives. And that's where Jesus takes the wheel, comes in, is that we like to be the ones driving until something crazy happens, and then we want Him to do the driving. And so a part of this whole first point, like I told you it was going to be really long, it's maybe not making a lot of sense, is that in order like, to, for our minds to be renewed when it comes to uh, this sort of, of mindset and, and thinking properly so that the Jesus take the wheel pattern is not something we conform to, um, there has to be this, this loss of a desire to be the one driving in the first place. Jesus said, if you want to come after me, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross, and you put those together, and it basically means you have to get to the point where you're like, I'm just, I'm, it's not my life. This is not mine to drive. This is like, there is no, okay, you take over. It's that it's his all the time, all the time, all the time. And when that mindset begins to settle in with us and we lose that self-reliance, I believe that we're in a place where Jesus take the wheel. I mean, killer song, but that's not the way that we're going to live our lives. Because we just want Him. It's just, we just want Him guiding us and in control of our lives. And we want His Lordship reigning over us. I believe that's consistent with what Jesus is revealing here in the Scriptures. And so the first thing that needs to happen with our minds is we need to re- recognize that there's a problem if you want to be God. And the real thing is asking God to change our minds and the way that we think about our lives where we realize that our lives are not our own. We were bought with a price. So now we are His. Like we sang about earlier, the victory... It's not ours. It is His. So that's the first point. The first renewed mind idea is let's lose the desire to drive at all in light of who God is as Jesus has revealed. So here's, here comes the second point. Go to the book of Second Peter. It's another familiar passage to, uh, if you've been around the ring at least for a while, um, 2 Peter chapter 1. Here's the the second point. I know I just told you that we have to lose the desire to drive at all. Here's the reality. You are driving. You are driving. Look at verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Now I know I just read that. I'm going to read it again. Because I think there's very little I could say that says it better than this. Now when I say the reality is that you are driving, okay? 
I read this. I want you to connect some of those dots before I connect them. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. He's bringing you into His own life. He's making you into His own image. You and I, as Christians, as a part of discipleship, Jesus says, you want to come, come after me, come follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross, and, and just come on. And when we do that, when we enter into that relationship with Jesus as our rabbi, He's making us into Himself, basically. That's what this passage is saying. He's saying, God, in the power of God, He's given us everything we need for life and for godliness. Through our knowledge of Him. Just by knowing Him. And He's called us to His own glory and goodness. And He's promised us these things. That we will become partakers of the divine nature. That we can escape those patterns of the world that we're trying to break free from. Because His divine power is at work in us. That's what's going on here. So when I say the reality is that we are driving, what I'm really trying to say is that Jesus looks at you and He says, you know what, you can do this. It's not Jesus take the wheel. He's saying, no, no, I gave you the wheel. He's equipped you with His presence. He's equipped you as a part of a church. He's equipped us in, in every way. His Spirit dwells in us. He's equipped us. He trusts us. He's with us. So we can't say, Jesus, take the wheel, and Him just say, okay, done. you're done. That's it. I'll do the driving from now on. And even though our desire should be for Him to be the one to drive our lives forward, and He's on board with that, His, his plan is, okay, that's great that your desire is now for me to drive things, but, but, but guess what? You're going to be the one that drives. But I'm going to equip you and empower you to do the driving. And what it made me think about was, there's probably different points in, in life. Um, maybe you've seen, like, uh, maybe like parents are driving like a car or a boat or a tractor or something, and there's a kid sitting in their lap, you know? And so you have like the parent or the grandparent or somebody that's there and the kid's sitting there and the kid's like driving the wheel but the grandparent's like there to make sure. That's what it reminded me of, except, except we're, not, we're not kids. I mean, some of you are kids, but we're not, like, we're not kids, you know. Because in that situation, you're like, oh, you're totally driving. You're not, you're not totally driving. You know? I think it's more like this. I, I think it, to go with the, like, like the Jesus take the wheel analogy, I'm just going to run it to the ground. Uh, that if you're there, and your hands are like 10 and 2, or 9 and 3, or whatever it is now, uh, your hands are both on the wheel, right? And you're driving, and point number one has become a reality for you, that you're like, in light of, of who you are, Jesus, and that you invite me in, and you want, you want to be involved in the really big, heavy stuff, and also in the things that don't seem as big, you want all that stuff to go on, um, and, and you, you suspend that desire to control your own life. You say, my life is not my own. I'm going to deny myself, take up my cross, I'm going to follow you. And Jesus says, awesome. I can work with that. So here's the deal. You get behind the wheel. And so you're there. 
But I think in, instead of him humoring you like, into like, thinking that you're driving like, with a kid and their parent like that, I think it, it is like, in a very non-creepy way. Okay? I think it's like his hands come, around, like, come on top of your hands, my hands. It's not that he hands us the wheel totally or we hand it to him totally. It's you and him together have the wheel. And his divine power has given you and me everything that we need pertaining to life and godliness through our knowledge of him who's called us. And so by knowing him and these promises that that have come our way, he's, he's making us partakers of the divine nature. He's giving us... Like everything that we need to navigate through that. But, but we're driving. But we're not driving alone. And so, you involve him in the big stuff and he shows you how to get through that. He shows you how to drive your way through those big, difficult things in life. You also involve him in the, in the things that don't seem as big. And he shows you how to navigate your way through that as well. That He's always bringing in fullness His goodness into your life. And you know how we stay in that mindset? is we do it through prayer. That's, that's how you stay there. That's how you stay connected. Prayerlessness makes no sense. And even though this is probably a really weird illustration, I'm hoping that it's connecting a little bit. That that's, that's a part of prayer Let's involve Jesus in, in everything that's going on in our lives. Why would we only run to Him in emergencies? It makes no sense when He's that big. And He's also making Himself that fully available and willing. So, I don't know where all this lands for you. I, I really I don't know. But if you, if you look at your life and you're like, okay, I don't really want to admit it, but I'm a little more Jesus take the wheel than, than I thought. And prayerlessness describes me a little bit better than I would like a lot of people to know. You know what's awesome? Is that there aren't 12, 15, 20, or even 3 steps between where you are and this like becoming real for you. You just start praying. I mean, that's the, that's the application point. Start praying. It's just that simple. Get in that mindset of understanding who He is and that He's invited you into His life and that He really wants to be involved in that. It's not Jesus take the wheel and it's also He's not saying, I'm done with you, you take the wheel. He's saying, we are going to drive this together. And so you just start praying. Just, just do that. If you don't know how to do that, then go up to somebody and say, hey, I know I've like been around this church for a while, but I really don't have a clue how to pray. Think we could maybe talk about that? And they'll probably say yeah. In fact, they better say yeah. And that's how we learn. We look at what Jesus says. That renewed mind transforms our lives. And the pattern of the world looks more and more absurd in the light of the goodness, and the grace of who Jesus is. So I don't know where this lands for you. That's between you and the Lord. I just know where it lands with me. And what we need to do collectively is help each other figure out some of this stuff. So if this stirred something in you, then be a good steward of what it stirred. Whether that's you and Jesus, or maybe you need to involve some more people because you aren't sure what that means, that's up to you. 
But uh, we're about to sing a little bit more in response. So uh, let me pray for us as the band comes back up. Uh, Let's all stand. Let's all stand. And just, just maybe, just kind of, just maybe, just bring yourself there. I know you've been in listening mode for a little bit, so just kind of bring yourself in your mind into into prayer mode. Uh, and let's just let's just uh, let's just skip that part where we apologize to God for how long it's been since we prayed. Just skip that part. Um, Just let's just follow that model of prayer that Jesus laid down. Just thank him for being so incredibly big. And thank him for giving a rip about the small things in your life. And just ask for his help in pressing those things together. Ask Him to renew your mind in regard to who He is and how He works and to transform your life so that that pattern of Jesus take the wheel looks more and more silly in light of who He is. You just talk to Him about that and then we're going to sing in a second and that will be continued response there. You just talk to, talk to your Father and talk to your Savior. We'll sing here in a second.